Ooh, welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the rest of the my holy trinity, the rest of the K-Fabe crew, Mr. Jesse Baker, Mr. Wex Breaking the Loss, and boys, how we living today? Doing good. It's, uh, you know, the high holiday on our recording day here in the tree. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm doing great. How about you guys? Wexley? Oh, doing really good on this holiday today. Had a long day at work, but easing back, kicking back, relaxing, and, you know, joining in on the festivities, getting ready for this podcast. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Today is quite the day. We just lost our Patreon last Sunday. Super pumped about that. We got uh, the Alex Kane Raw interview up there. The completely raw, unedited version and video. We also have our very first bonus watch-along show, which is Onita versus Hayabusa in the exploding barbed wire deathmatch. I'm um, pretty stoked to have that launched. Um, but yeah, and you're actually going to get this one um, tonight as we record it. On Tuesday night, you're going to get the raw, unedited uh, version of this before everybody else gets it on Saturday, the audio version. So I'm excited to jump in, boys. How you feeling about the Patreon and finally getting that shit off the ground, Jesse? Dude, I'm stoked. I'm uh, excited. It'll be kind of. It, it's a funny change to be releasing the videos. That's for sure. I kind of feel like one of Conrad's folks now, where I'm like, yeah, oh shit, I should. I can't like eat on camera. <laughs> like, but you know, it'll be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, well, there'll still be a little bit of booze, a little bit of smoke going around, but I don't think anybody will mind. Wex, how you feeling about that Patreon being out there, baby? Hey, I am fucking hyped for it. I've uh, been pretty, I mean, I've been pushing it pretty hard lately, you know, posting on all platforms, getting the likes up on the Facebook page too. You know, we're trying to, trying to make some money, trying to please some people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, Bobby. We got to hustle. We got to hustle. Well, let's hustle into this show. It's an all nostalgia show. It's TNA Lockdown 2006 versus WWF Backlash. 2001, and I don't know if you guys know this, but WrestleMania 17 is considered one of the greatest WrestleManias of all time. Um, it's not like we talk about it that much, but this is the show directly following that one. And we also have, you know, 2006, arguably uh, at least one of the more pivotal moments in TNA. I won't say it was the best year, but it was definitely one of the more most pivotal years for TNA and their brand. I'm super excited to get into this one. Jesse, how you feel about this all nostalgia show? 2006 versus 2001. You're booking this damn thing now. So what what brought you to this conclusion? Well, you know, T-Day 2006, we try to stay topical with the dates and the even numbers and stuff. Well, in this case, it's an odd number with the five, but you know what I'm saying. But um, T-Day 2006, I agree, a very pivotal year, a lot of advancement for the company and their roster during this time. And if you look at this card, it's pretty interesting some of the stuff they started doing that yeah we'll, we'll touch on it some in the show but you saw wcw try and kind of half-ass and we've now seen aew copy some of these tactics too and uh they're doing a little bit of better job but i don't know that's kind of interesting and i mean wwf 2001 come on it's yeah, interesting bro. yeah let's go Wex, did you watch TNA at all in 06 like how were you how were you feeling going into these shows tna 2006 i wasn't watching much of it it was just like here, there, if I happen to cut on TV and it was on, I would watch it. But it wasn't like one of those things I was really keeping up with it. Yeah, yeah, 2006 was kind of the year that I really got back into wrestling after not watching it for a couple of years. Because that was when, you know, DX reunited. And I was like, oh, shit, DX. Oh, shit. It's them degenerates again. 
Well, let's get into it, boys. Let's hop back and go 15 years first. We're going to start with TNA Lockdown 2006. Uh, it's a pretty creepy open with kind of James Mitchell narrating very 2006, very B-horror movie kind of vibe. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to die? Like, they use that same clip, like, a bajillion times. Uh, nice kind of hearing, you know, James Mitchell. He's always a great little promo, having his little narrating skills there. That was nice. Um, Jesse, how would you feel about this uh, cold open here? Uh, you know, James Mitchell is one of my favorites. He's just so effective at uh, all of his – pretty much anything that he really sets out to. He, he's pretty perfect in most of those roles. Like, luckily, nobody's ever really tried to put him in the ring or anything because, obviously, probably not slated for that. But <laughs> right. He always does. He always does his shtick. And th- this era TNA, the opens look cheesy now, but at the time, for a company that you just knew wasn't the WWE, they really weren't bad. They were, they were pretty well put together. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Wex, how do you feel about this cold open? I mean, I can't agree. Uh, fuck. I couldn't agree more with you guys about that <laughs> one because goddamn. Yeah, I like James Mitchell. A little creepy tone going. And like you said, it did seem a little bit cheesy, but I think it worked. Like the whole... Abyssin is kind of cheesy itself, so, you know, it kind of worked with the vibe. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's jump into the first match here. First match up on the card is going to be Team Japan versus Team USA. Oh, I mean, I get why they booked this this far to start the show. It's, like, quick and, like, really fast-paced, like, highly athletic. Uh, But I don't know. It just kind of also felt like they're... Again, like at the risk of sounding like, um, you know, an old curmudgeon, like it's just not it's hard. It's hard to keep everything focused when there's, you know, guys in the ring that aren't normally together. And uh, God, how young did Jay Lethal look too here? Like, Jesus, Lord in heaven, like so young, but like great. He looks great as, as well. I mean, the wrestling was great. Obviously, it's not a story built match, but it was a nice spectacle for what it was. The live crowd was really into it. It was a unique way to push the X Division brand, even though I might have not personally done it that way. Uh, but then I don't know. The, the finish was just kind of very like fart in church. Not so great. Um, little, little too cute on that finish, if you will. Uh, I was right there in the middle on it. I was three beers on this, uh, this X division match. Jesse, where are you at on it? Man, I went a little bit higher than you. I felt like this was a, you know, you got to keep in mind this era TNA two is still sole location studio, you know, right. that whole thing. And they got a lot of times have a crowd that like, isn't necessarily the most wrestling oriented crowd. So coming out of the gate with something that's this high paced or fast paced rather, and just kind of like high volume of action, I really feel got the crowd a little bit more into the show from the jump than it would have. Plus I really loved their attempts. This is kind of what I was referring to earlier in the open was, you know, getting a team Japan, getting some of these guys over, I really thought was smart for them because at this point in time, if you're going to take the quote unquote Bischoff directive and try and just be different, you couldn't be more different than WWF in 2006. Yeah. In a match like this. That's true. I also thought it was a good platform for Sanjay and Jay and Alex Shelley. Uh, they're having a little bit of attention on Team USA gave the match a little bit of character. I could go through, like, most of my notes are just like different sick moves that were done during the match. And you kind of, yeah. you should just go watch this. It's just good. You know, I just yeah, think it was it's good, good. matchup. A lot of stiff work. Everybody kind of did their shit. Plus, I'm a Rocky Romero mark. And in case you guys didn't know, Black Tiger, Rocky Romero. Uh, also, TJP in this match as Puma, which I did not know until we watched this one back. I did not know that either. Wow. He had to have been very, very, very young there. But, yeah, man, uh, fast pace, some story dynamics kind of kept it going. It got a little bit of shine on everybody, but it wasn't too flashy and it wasn't too long, so I gave it four beers. 
four beers. All right, Wex, where you at on it? I'm actually right there with Jesse. Exactly. Four beers oh, on the match. Right. And I thought it was a great opener. Like, like someone told me this kind of uh, using it to wrestling is like, the, you know, the opening match, the scramble is kind of like an advertisement for the coming attractions. And everyone is just trying. They're yeah. trying to, you know, show like, and they actually told it, talked about that. Like, this is coming up for the new X Cup. And I thought as a match to showcase what to expect in the cup, it was fantastic. And like, sure. just same with Jesse. I have a lot of notes about a lot of big moves like. That night, that nice Tiger suplex at the very end for the win, of course, was beautiful by Rocky Romero in the Tiger Mask, Black Tiger, Black Tiger Mask, I guess you can call it. But uh, yeah, dude, Hiroki Goto, seeing him on here so young was crazy because I've only ever known him as like sort of a bigger, bigger guy, and his was he was like a small, like a like like X Division cruiserweight size guy yeah. here, and he was still a young boy because he was in the all black trunks and everything. Oh, yeah. and, that's just crazy to see here because I remember I've seen like a few clips of like him and a couple other guys back when they were like that, but I just never seen him wrestling TNA. And a very, I mean, it was very disappointing to hear that the captain of Team Japan is Jushin Liger, but he's not here tonight. And I was just like, yeah, oh come on, yeah. you're, gonna, you're just gonna That's toss that in there for me. Yeah, but dude, like you said, Jay Lethal Young looked fantastic here, and he was super over. The whole crowd was basically chanting for him the entire time. Yeah, it was a great match. Like for a Six man scramble fuck with no really with nowhere to go really because it's a cage. I mean they did a great job. And I think it's funny that Sanjay Dutt was on Team USA, but he's supposed to be representing India. And they, they yeah. I love that Tanae yeah, is yeah, like the yeah. player from the Himalaya. And again, Mike <laughs> Tanae is fucking gold. Mike Tanae yeah, Mike Tanae, yeah. here is like so solid and on point. And dude, yeah, can't say any more great things about this match. But seriously. Dude, I like that uh, sick triple team with, like, the double lung blower and the moonsault uh, yeah. by Sanjay Dutt. Dude, that was sick, too. Great match, though. Four beers for me. Good stuff. There's definitely some good nice stuff in there. Nice advertisement for the upcoming X Division Cup. Yeah, I was, I was, you know, just a little bit less on it. I was just right there in the middle. I did think the actual wrestling was great. Uh, definitely deserved at least half a six-pack for sure on that one. But let's jump over here to WWF Backlash 2001 Classic Attitude Era ho- Open here. Man, I cannot help but wonder what the power trip really could have been. You know what I mean? Like what it could have become because it did have legs, I think. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, any other notes on the opening package there? I mean, it's, it's Classic Attitude Era. Yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah. I love Just it. Like I mean, every other one from that era. Yeah. From that whole year, actually. You know, that was a solid year. Yeah. First pay-per-view after that WrestleMania, you know, you're looking at trying to fill some fucking serious shoes leading into the new year of storylines and activities and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting dynamic. For sure. And the uh, the first, first match on the card here, speaking of interesting dynamic, it's going to be all the Dudleys versus X-Factor. Uh, man, this just, uh, this popped me from the get-go, but Wex, I would love to hear what you thought about the Dudleys versus X-Factor, since I know you're just such a closet X-Factor mark. I mean, one thing I did kind of like about this is this is pre-Uncle Cracker X-Factor, but they still had a shitty song. It was like a rip-off of the DX song, so the crowd was just fucking hating it from the get-go. They were like, oh, this is a, like, this is a cheap imitation degeneration, degeneration X with Fucking just incredible and Prince Albert. Yeah, yeah. This was what? No, what was his name? Uh, A Train. Yeah. No, not uh, what was uh, just incredible's old name when he wore the mat when he wore the. Oh, Aldo Montoya. Aldo, yeah. This was 
this was fucking DX with Aldo Montoya and Prince Albert. Like, yeah, that's all it was going on here. And the match itself, I mean, it is what it is. It wasn't like anything fantastic, but I mean, it was a solid little WWF six man from 2001. Yeah. I mean, I mean, thought it was really interesting that four out of six guys in this match were all ECW guys. Yeah. And I always love how Spike Dudley just like gets super hot, like just how the crowd gets super hyped for him. But I was disappointed that it's that they call it the Dudley dog instead of the acid drop in WWF, which kind of takes away from it a little bit. But, you know, the X Factor cheats to win. It is what it is. It was like I said, not amazing, but not great. A solid in the middle three beer match. That's all I can really say. I mean, it was it was X Pac in two thousand one when X Pac Heat was really culminating, and it was like starting to get to there. Like, starting I mean, to get there for it sure. It was they were pissed. I mean, the crowd was booing them from the get go. So yeah. this was like the genesis of X Pac Heat. So yeah, I agree. I mean, but the entering work wasn't bad, and you know, it was for no. what it was. It was three beers right down the middle. Jesse, where are you at on this one? I mean, so is this pre the Uncle Cracker theme, or do they just not have permission for the Uncle Cracker theme? That's, yeah, it's very possible. It's very Dude, possible. I'm wondering. I don't know. This was like the second or time, second or third time they were like ever as a team on pay per view. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Either way, it still sucked. Uh, oh yeah. There were a couple of really cool spots in the mid, like in the middle of the match. I thought that stomp from Spike to Matt Bloom was fucking vicious looking. Oh yeah, yeah. That looked like nice. he was about to make him spit up whatever beers he had before the match. It was fucking yeah. for some reason, Jr. continuously going back to wizards of the wicked wood about the Dudleys. I'm like, dude, you are trying so hard to put this fucking name over. Yes, yeah. I'm sure it's not Jr. I'm sure that's a directive from Vince McMahon. Just wizards of the wicked wood. God damn it. Say it. Wizards <laughs> of the wicked wood. You know? <laughs> oh there's a, a similar thing happens later on in this card. That was also fucking like this ain't getting over. But anyway, I did think overall this match wasn't bad. I only gave it two beers. I think it was a good opener for the live crowd because if you, if you pay attention to the crowd, they you're right about that fucking X factor having heat. The fucking crowd was all over them. But anything the Dudleys hit, they just went monstrously ape shit for. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was live. It was a perfect over, like, over. for TV. Yeah. Missed some of that a little bit, and it's like it, it was nice to see the 3D get hit, and I refuse to call it by the, its other name, but the acid drop get hit, and they got their table spot. They got what they came for in the open. It sets a good pace for the show. It's just kind of on TV. You're like, eh, who yeah. cares? <laughs> like, yeah, fine. Yeah. It's over. Everybody goes home. Okay, bye. Like, yeah. Two, two beers. Two beers. Two beers there for you. See, I actually liked this one better. This was pleasantly surprising to me because I thought it was going to be worse than it was. So maybe I just graded it better. But like, I gave this half a beer more than I gave the opening to lockdown. I gave this whole thing three and a half beers. I thought it was a really like to me. It was kind of insane how hot the crowd was and like. Uh, I don't know. Like you got all the nice Dudley spots in and like the selling from even, I mean, even Albert did a, everyone did a great job. Like there was no botchy or even awkwardly timed spots. Everything looked really crisp. Uh, the, I mean, and everything culminated with the table spot at the end that the crowd really wanted. I thought it was pretty dang good, man. Like three and a half beers for me for sure. But let's hop back on over here to lockdown. And jump over, uh, speaking of the Dudleys, we got a little promo from the Dudleys about being American in the back, which was a little awkward and a little off-putting, to be completely yeah, honest. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it uh, was. Any more, any more notes on that promo there, Jesse? 
I was just one of those things where I was like, holy shit, this is uh, this is bordering on getting real, real, real fucking offensive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, and it's one thing, too, when it's like when the target's Canada, you can only go so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it's not totally like true. we're not going to war with Canada anytime soon. Like, no, just no. chill out. That's Everything's fine. Yeah, we're just going to shoot like bottle rockets at each other. That's pretty much it. Uh, but Wex, what do you think about that little Dudley's? We're American promo. Yeah, it was really, uh, yeah, really weak. Just didn't didn't hit for me. And the fact that uh, Spike or Brother Runt said testify, and it was just like, eh, no, yeah, nah, that's not nah. that's not that's not your job, bud. That's not, I had uh, I had in my notes that Spike's testify sucked. I just didn't want to hate <laughs> on it too bad. But. It was, I mean, I it was like pretty fucking shitty. I was like, like Spike, stick, stick to doing the acid drops and getting dropped on your head and shit. Don't say testify. Yeah, that's not. Maybe he's that's been not. dropped on the head so many times, that's why he can't project so good. That, that would kind of make sense, honestly. Or proud um, too many times. <laughs> yeah, I will say, uh, I don't know if Sinchi made sense here. Like, you got Christopher Daniels versus Loki here, and that's what I actually wrote down because that's the way it should have been presented. I don't know if it was, like, him trying to, like, put over the fact that his name was Sinchi now because he was working in Japan or whatever. Uh, but it's like, the, obviously, the, I mean, the entire crowd was chanting Loki. So, like, why would you not just be Loki in TNA and be Sinchi somewhere else? Thought that was a little bit of a miss, but overall, I mean, it was pretty solid. Um, a couple of wonky spots, but, you know, um, stiff as hell because it's, uh, you know, a Loki match. It was very stiff. Uh, but sometimes, I don't know. I think maybe because, like, at the time, I will say that, okay, this is what I'm going to say about Loki and Christopher Daniels. Loki specifically, like, I feel like in the early, in the mid-2000s, we all really praised him for being essentially one of the first strong style guys that we saw. I mean, he was literally just beating the shit out of guys. But now it's like, the like, I would say, like, 2015 on... We started America got back into New Japan wrestling again, and like that version of strong style was executed significantly better. So I feel like now when I go back and watch Loki matches from this era, I feel like they were just revered because he was so stiff. But it wasn't that he was that crisp. You know what I mean? It wasn't that he was like really doing anything that's that was crazy or out of the ordinary. I mean, some of those kicks were great. His presentation was great. Good, good. I mean, good fluid motion, but the dude could not sell to save his life. He no. literally makes the exact same face throughout the entire match, whether he's getting kicked or doing the kicking. And I don't know. It just, it seems like his work itself, like the psychology he uses is counterproductive to what his goal is. And so like, if, if that makes sense to me, it's like, you'll just start working on somebody's arm and then just completely abandon it and start working on the guy's leg or then start working on his neck. And it's like, what, what are you, what, what's, ha what, what are we, what's happening here? Like, where are we going with this? What's the direction? I don't know. I was really underwhelmed with this. I wanted to love it, but it wasn't great. And the finish was even more lackluster. I gave it two and a half beers. It was not for me at all. Um, Jesse, where are you at on Christopher Daniels versus Loki? So I definitely went higher than you. I, I agree with the name change aspect for low key. And it makes you wonder what exactly was going on. Cause he had been through so many promotions by then. Like he had been through TNA once before he'd been through ring right. of honor. He was still kind of doing Japan back and forth. So, it, you know, I'm not sure what the story was behind that. It didn't last very long, but his gear change too was like, talk about, it was like, what the fuck are you wearing, bro? You yeah. look like somebody just plugged you. They're like, ah, yeah, I know you're not done training yet, but it's time to go to the ring. And yeah. this is a surprise, and we're changing your name. So who gives a shit? But yeah, I felt like this could have been hyped up in a much more significant way because you also have to look at the majority of that crowd probably doesn't recall the 
triple X feud. You know what I mean? Like the, right. the idea of them yeah. being tag team in early TNA between Loki, Christopher Daniels, and Elix Skipper, yeah. and why they would know each other's offense. Like the story they told in the match, I thought being a fan and knowing about that was great. Just from them, it really seemed to me like they knew one another's offense. They knew they obviously they told each other, "Hey, we're laying this one in, dude." <laughs> and they got really intense. And I know Loki is notorious for doing that most of the time. This seemed to me like they both were just very committed to that idea. I really, I thought the finish kind of sold that they knew each other's offense. I liked the story that told. Daniels, he took all of the selling credit in this match for yes. sure. Not only physically, but. When it comes to any range of emotion, and especially when Senshi or Loki came out, his surprise, his his candor toward the camera made yeah. it into, like, even if you didn't know what was going on, you knew that there was some reason to wonder what the fuck was going on. Yeah. But all in all, I thought they both looked better coming out than going in. I just thought the match was enough between the two of them that it really got the crowd into it and interested in what would be a feud. And I don't know if they went on to have a feud or not. Frankly, I don't remember, but... I know that at that point in time, I was interested. I gave it four beers. I thought oh, it, wow. was, it was early enough in the card, too, that I think that it still kept the crowd, which is a feat. And um, they could have done a couple of things a whole lot better. But what they did, I thought they did pretty well. Fair enough. I'm Yeah, that's wild. Four beers. But Wex, where are you at on it? I'm going to wow you, too, because I literally had the exact same rating as Jesse. Jesus, is this just like gang up on Daniel Day? What is I mean, happening here? <laughs> I enjoyed it to the fact because I was just looked up the card pre-hand before I watched the match and I saw Sinshin versus Christopher Daniels and that's just all it said was Sinshin. So I was just like, all right, it's going to be a, you know, I figured it's going to be a Japanese wrestler and then it was just Loki and I was like, okay, all right, Loki, that's sick. Yeah. And one thing that you said, like Loki, no selling, he has the same face the whole time and the note that I have written down exactly what Jesse said, Christopher Daniels was top notch with like his facials and his physical yeah. stuff he was doing and the selling and everything in this match like he made the match exactly what jesse said like everything he did was like fantastic christopher daniels he's always been great but this is like prime time christopher daniels and i really love the sick ass death valley driver with the best moonsault ever combo it's classic solid and i enjoyed the whole thing how just like Jesse said, they knew each other's offense, and then he blocked it and cheated with the assisted pin from the ropes at the end, like when he was going, when he went to the top, when he was going to do the super angels wings, and he pulled a little reversal. Like, I liked it. it was just just the nice little things like that, and I thought it deserved four beers. It was nice, great. I just it was fan. It was just good to see. Good to see some old hard hitting Loki, like you said. Other people have done the strong style hard hitting better, but just. Loki just looks like he's just really just going being reckless with it out there. I don't know, maybe that's why I buy into it a little bit, but yeah. Four yeah. beats for me. Me and Jesse just, you know, we have a superior taste in uh, Loki matches, I guess or something. I, I, I guess know. I guess so. I just yeah, I mean it would just the gear wasn't did suck, though. The I, I think a lot of it I think suck. a lot of it for me too is that like I when I see that it's going to be Christopher Daniels and Loki, maybe I just expected too much. And so that's why, I don't know, maybe I just expected too much and that's what happened. But you gotta hey, remember though, it was a cage match, which you can only do so much in a that's cage. That's true. That is, that is there. You know what? You're right. You're right. But you know, the next match on the card, uh, that I got more than I expected and it wasn't a cage match. It's the WWF hardcore championship match. It's Rhino versus Raven. Um, I didn't really expect much 
but I was really pleasantly surprised with this match. Like they got a ton of time, which is kind of strange. And the ring step spots on the outside were pretty cool. Uh, the shopping cart spots were pretty good. That like, that, like pretty <laughs> damn good. Like, I mean, it, dude, like the crowd was so hot, like surprisingly hot for this match. And dude, so many loud headshots too. Like, doesn't really age well, but damn, it was really entertaining for the time. And it was a really good match for what it was, man. Like, I mean, we actually got some pretty decent false finishes. You got that big O from the crowd a couple times because they thought the match was over. I mean, that's what you live for, honestly. So, like, dude, yeah, I mean, super hype. I was pleasantly surprised, dude. I thought this was great. I gave it four four beers. Like, I would, would never give a hardcore match four beers, and I thought it was really good. Might be, might be Raven's best match in WWF, like, after you know after ecw folded um but jesse you're kind of the resident ecw guy i mean what do you think about rhino versus raven here for the hardcore championship so being a huge ecw mark myself i normally cringe when i see this era of like an ecw guy versus an ecw guy in the wwf because they really did a lot to bury a lot of folks that i love absolutely so there's so many matches like the last thing i wanted to see was another fucking raven and big show hardcore match or something you know the minute that I see this advertised, I'm like, I actually had it written down. I wonder what it sounds like in this era, the agents backstage talking to these ECW guys about their match. I imagine they're very dismissive. And they're like, yeah, you know, get out there. Yada, yada. Fernam Schnavitz, hit that guy with this thing. Beat each other up. Blah, blah, blah. Go home. Who cares? And which is probably why we got some of the spots that we did. Because yeah. I don't think that an agent is going to approve Rhino precisely goring into an empty shopping cart in the corner. Yeah. Like, how the fuck do you not... It was perfect, man. Yeah. If you miss by just a skosh, you'd completely fuck your shit up. Like, oh, yeah. That just... That was hella impressive to me. The spots looked good. I thought they told a pretty good story. I, I really think the match would have benefited if it had been about a third less long. I gotta say. As I much as I it. love these guys, I just... I feel like that the crowd kind of started to lose for certain... It started to dip in certain points. Now, they had them again by the end. That's what matters. Um, I gave it three and a quarter beers just because some of it, again, the drag on. But the finish was super fucking strong, and the match itself really wasn't that bad. I love hearing the crowd cheer for both of these guys during this era because I guess they hadn't been completely and totally fucking buried and covered up with mud yet. Yeah, that's fair. Wex, what do you, you think about this WWF hardcore match, man? I had a lot of the same literally exact notes as you, like fantastic shopping cart spots. Like, I like those. The stair spots outside were very cool. You don't really see... That's kind of a different stair spot. I don't, you don't really see that ever. They set them up and run off them like that. You know, it, yeah. All you ever see is just the classic pick them up, throw them, and like this and that. Like, that was a very innovative chair. I mean, very innovative stair spot, I will say. And those headshots. God damn, the headshots. I have a note. I could feel the CT through my TV. That's how, like how rough they were, especially when he just ripped that sign off the thing and like started hitting them with that. That was, whoo, that was rough. And one thing I noticed, JR kept calling Raven. He's a strange enigma, which he says the same thing about Darby Allen. He says the same thing about yeah. Jeff Hart. Like anybody who's like, I don't know, like yeah. slightly alternative and different yeah. is, Oh, Oh, they're a strange enigma, but, uh, it's the funny yeah. color hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, if you just have something slightly different about you paint your fingernails. You're a strange enigma. Boom. Wear fishnets. You're a strange enigma. All three of them yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. But totally, almost with you, a little bit higher than him. Three and a half beers. Like you said, for a hardcore match, it was fantastic. 
Rhino was like in tip top shape right here. He was prime time Rhino, and and dude, Raven was still coming out to that terrible ass music. God, it was so bad. Just terrible fucking music. But they, I mean, yeah, dude, that gore into the shopping cart was just out, absolutely outrageous. I was like, holy fuck. Just like you would, if just like if just like you said, Jesse, if you went slightly to the right or to the left or too high, you would just brain yourself or like break your hand or like something. He just and he's a big guy to like fit in that small oh, yeah. space. Like Rhino's broad, he's wide. <laughs> he's wide. <laughs> he, he also he didn't, he's, he didn't pull he's that motherfucker like five at all. Oh no no yeah he didn't pull it at all. Like I mean he, he definitely he, was fucking he went just full speed. Yeah, ahead, man. I mean that's he, he's like thing. he was like. Hey everybody, my name is Rhino. Welcome to Jackass. And just yeah. <laughs> gore into the shopping cart. Except oh. Johnny Knoxville would have been standing in front of it, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, let's jump on over here to the uh, the 2006 show, and I'll tell you something that I wasn't pleasantly surprised to see, and it's Bullet Bob Armstrong, um, <laughs> as as our Patreon subscribers can see behind me right now. Um, yeah, it's the James Gang in the back with Bullet Bob. Uh, funny little promo. Honestly, Bob's promo work was still pretty good. The old man could cut a promo. Wasn't too bad there. Uh, the road dog with the damn God Jesus t-shirt on. He's about to go whip some people with that. I don't know. It's just, that's a little, little, uh, you know, maybe, maybe pick the wrong thing out of the closet there that day, but it is what it was. Uh, and then we have Conan versus bullet Bob in an arm wrestling match. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and cut to the chase. Uh, this was damn awful. At least it was quick, but it was really awful. And then this whipping part was too long. Uh, should have just been like a couple lashes and you chase them out and they're lashing and everyone's cheering and that would have been it. But I don't know. It just got real awkward. This is a flat dud to me, boys. Absolute goose egg. Jesse, what do you think about Conan versus Bullet Bob? Kind of. Well, I guess by the uh, if we were going to use wearing mesh category, then Bullet Bob is a strange enigma because here he yeah, is in a fucking is. mesh tank top at 50 some odd years old. That sure is a fucking choice. Got some guns, though. I mean, you know, sure. I mean, hey, but, got some guns. I mean, he clearly beat Conan in an arm wrestling match here, Daniel. Obviously. So, <laughs> the Billy Gunn and his fucking side pony and BG James and his got Jesus T-shirt or whatever is all. I mean, this whole their crew couldn't look more like Hickory Hollow Mall right after work on a Friday. Baby, we're going to the food court with the kids tonight. That was the vibe I got from the James gang. But I thought LAX did a really good job in the background, like kind of playing off cowardly and like trying to avoid the whippings and yada, yada, yada. But you get BG going with a Scarface impression and saying shit like Menudo and Perros and all this other shit and counting yeah. in Spanish. And it's like, okay, man, this is zero beers. Please get this the fuck off my TV. Even in 2006, like, yeah. this isn't like we're watching a mid-90s fucking WCW show. This is 2006. This is still way too late for that shit. No, I agree. I agree fully. Wex, where you at on it? I only have a few notes for this match that says arm wrestling, for real. And I said, all right, I'm going to give one beer for Bob Armstrong. And then, nah, then I decided to pour that beer out because of his damn piece of shit son. So, yeah, zero <laughs> beers for me. Zero beers all the way around. Big old fat ass goose egg. Let's jump over here to 2001 Backlash and Shane and the Beanstalk promo is absolutely hilarious. I love that. Got to give a nod to creative around. I mean, creative, I don't think has ever been better. Promos and backstage segments, I don't think have ever been better than in 2001. Um, but yeah, it was absolutely hilarious. Even Steph had a decent promo. And in 2001, those were very rare to come by. 
Um, so everyone kind of did did all right there. Austin had a good little segment. Uh, some more of the Duchess bullshit, but obviously that we'll we'll get to that here. Um, man, the whole recap for Jericho and Regal was great though. The classic P and the T spot. Got to love that. Uh, what do you guys think about these promos, this backstage Duchess thing? Jesse, give it to me. The Shane promo made it occur to me that when they didn't have any ideas for WrestleMania this year, they just went back to this match, and they substituted Big Show with Braun fucking Strowman. It's the same concept. It's he's, the exact same thing. He's just calling a big guy dumb. Except Shane's a babyface in 2001, because that was a babyface thing to say in 2001. Right. Yeah, and then here... I, I mean, I don't see how he's not faced for calling Braun Strowman dumb and making fun of him because nobody fucking likes Braun Strowman either. So yeah, here funny. we are 20 years later, you know, same verse, same as the first. But the the nursery rhyme was fucking hilarious, just the concept of it. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that they can't get the diction on those things right ever, like they always put an extra syllable in certain lines where they don't need to be there. That's always just cracks me up. I love Regal. I love the fucking Duchess of Queensberry stuff. The uh, as you can see, if I can get my hand there. Clearly, you know. clearly. But um, the yeah, I don't know. I, I always thought that stuff was good. Stephanie knocked it out of the park. I mean, it's like, like you said, man. I can't agree more. Classic two thousand one WWF crushing that fucking package game. Wex, what do you think about these promos, man? Dude, I mean, yeah. Shane man with a storybook that was pretty funny, and I like how they would, you know, pan over to like supposed to be like the book, and it's just like a weird, you know, like a little edited yeah. shitty picture. It was great. Like you said, creative then. I don't know who was doing creative at the time. It was probably some wrestlers and not I a think team we're of go, writers. I think we're into the Gewirtz era. Are, are we not at this point? Yeah. Yeah. Gewirtz, so, I mean, honestly, Brian Gewirtz. Gerwitz. Whatever, whatever, you know. Whatever saying, the, uh, the IWC was, calls them these days. It was... You know, now there's too many cooks in the kitchen. It's like a group of writers. It's down. Oh, yeah. this was, there was like a few people. Yeah. And I'm sure Vince wasn't just ripping shit up and going, no, God damn it. We're doing this tonight. I mean, you're going to have Vince. You're going to have Brucey. You're going to have Brian. And I but think you you're going to have, have I mean, obviously somebody was in, in somebody's ear all night saying a bunch of crazy shit. But yeah, yeah. that dude, the promo for the Jericho and a uh, Regal, it was the classic 2001 like hype package. And it really Got you into it. I mean, this is a great feud. I always love this feud. Yeah. This is probably same. one of the, and like, this match is probably one of the, the best match in the feud. So, yeah, I agree. I feel like, yeah, and let's, let's just get to the match here then, too. It's, it's Regal versus Chris Jericho, Duchess of Queensberry match. Um, and, and the work was great, of course. Uh, it was a little overbooked uh, with the gimmick, um, but it didn't really hurt the overall rating because to me, it's like you prep all these, you know, like I also, too, like to be fair, I'm old enough to remember this and it really stuck with me. So like, I'm also remembering all the TVs that led up to this. So it's like, it's, it was it overbooked. If you're watching it as an isolated show, absolutely. It was, it was totally overbooked, but the fact that like everything had been so ridiculous and so egregious every time on every show leading up to this, it was the only way you could have done this match is with crazy booking and silly shit. Like, yeah, but you also still got really good wrestling in on it. So for me, like, I mean, was it like a barn burner? Was it the best match on the card? No, it wasn't, but it was really good. And Regal bumping into the Duchess lap and making that gag face like was <laughs> the most epically funny moment, man. The crowd went banana. RIP Pat. 
And dude, like after the walls on the Duchess, like you got to give that wholesome bitch at least three and a half, probably four beers. I'm going to say three and three quarter beers on that one. Absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it because it was just like it was crazy, but the wrestling was good and it was super entertaining. Also, it was nostalgic for me because I remember I was literally watching this back. I was like 15 or 16 years old the way I was when this when I actually watched this for the first time. So I loved it. Three and a half to Three and a, and three quarter beers for me. Wex, what do you think about Regal and Jericho here? I've always enjoyed this match, and I remember around the time I was only ten years old. But at the time, you know, we had SmackDown on Thursday night, so I would get to at least see that, and they'd always recap of what happened on Mondays if I didn't able to catch it on Monday because we didn't have no cable back then. But yeah, dude, I love everything about how how outrageous this match is. Like. And like you said, the, the facials and the expressions from everybody in this match, everybody's selling it. And yeah. like the banter on commentary between Paul Heyman and JR, just like <laughs> Heyman just keeps trying to like say stuff and JR's like, well, well, I wouldn't say that. And like it was just it, everything about the like every little thing made the match great. Uh, I just like I love everything. Like every time Jericho thinks he's won the match, it's like. You know, the, the Duchess, the Duchess says the new rule. And like Jer- just the anger and hatred on Jericho's face and how like it builds up to him finally losing it and putting her in the walls. Like, I don't know. I just I've always loved this match. It's just fucking it's nostalgic. It's fun. I gave it four beers. Yeah, I just, I, it's fantastic. Yeah, there are. Right. We're in the same ballpark. I love the shenanigans, like you said, but the, like the actual wrestling itself was great. Uh, Just everything about this match. Fantastic. 100% agreed. Jesse, where are you at on it? I mean, it's Jericho and Regal, so we all yeah. know Mr. Mark City over here is going to go <laughs> yeah. apeshit. The, uh, I love the addition of the Duchess of Queensberry element to this just because it's that oftentimes you'll get an out-of-left-field gimmick in a match, and it just really hurts it, and I really don't feel that was the case here. No, I thought yeah, yeah. it was intriguing not to release the rules beforehand, and with Regal being the commissioner, all of that makes sense. So commentary can play it up as yet another advantage for the heel. And he had nuclear heat with the crowd here. The minute his music hits, everybody is just on his shit. And it's fucking great. And she had heat, too. The Duchess, otherwise known as Sue Atchison, who's the Hall of Fame head of community relations, is the one that's responsible for setting up most of the Make-A-Wish stuff and all their charity stuff with community endeavors across, you know, everywhere. And here she is, the Duchess of fucking Queensberry. I just love it. So, you know, that's amazing. Yeah. When Jericho's ripping on her and stuff, you got to know that that's 10 times sweeter because it's somebody that he knows from a completely different role in the company. That kind of, I don't know. I was soaking that up the whole time. There were some like his Jericho's promo on the way to the ring. The way he was talking, (laughs) he hit the ugly city line. And I'm like, come on, dude. Maybe we should have thought about that one a little bit longer. <laughs> I thought it was so outrageous that it just fit with the yes. game. It was just so, like, bullshit. Just like, I'm just going to yeah. say something so stupid, but they're still going to pop for it, no matter how yeah. dumb it is. Yeah. The ugly city. And it was just very, it sounded like something he would say on AEW now, though. And it wouldn't Honestly, be- it sounds like something he would have said in 96 on WCW. Like, it that's what, relevant. this Jericho reminded me of WCW Jericho. You know what I mean? Like, but... There was a lot of great work. One of the lion salts that Jericho hits is fucking from way across the way yeah. in the ring. Oh, I'm yeah. You can't do it like that no more. I was like, they're going to fuck this up, but they did not. I thought it was good. Uh, Duchess consistently piling the heel heat onto Regal over and over again by changing the rules every time you think Jericho's going to win. You know, the whole I, – I thought that whole thing was fucking great. 
agreed with Regal. Fall. I have written down the muff of the Duchess just because that sounded auditorily fine, like hilarious to me. Uh, <laughs> this match is so fucking ridiculous that Y2J can straight up go full heel and put a woman in his finisher, and the crowd is fucking just ape shit babyface for him. That's just 2001 WWF, baby. I mean, it's just fucking nuts. I gave it. This is the reason I laughed, Daniel. I gave it 3.75 beers, which is nice. I'm like, how do we both have like a weird in the middle rating on this? The same. But again, piled heat onto Regal. The audience was bloodthirsty the entire time. The only knocks I could give it, it it was a little long. And there were a couple of things that were a little on the slop side. But, you know, normally I probably wouldn't say that if there were two other workers. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to be fair. I agree. I agree. I I will point out on the muff of the Duchess, uh, when Regal makes the face, uh, Paul Heyman says something and then like, oh, and he and uh, Jr. tries to say like, oh, she must be wearing a weird perfume or something. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to play Jr. Just, much just as he can. killing it, it's just killing it in the moment. Ah uh, man, you know what? I will say though that Regal stink face is about the same face that I made when I had to hear this damn Jarrett and Zabisco promo in the oh back at the TNA show. And then for some reason, they let James Storm and Chris Harris talk to. It was real bad. Uh, it was not bad, bad, not good. Uh, just not not there at all for these promos. Let's jump straight to the next match here. It's Elix Skipper versus Petey Williams versus Puma versus Chase Stevens versus Sharkboy versus Chris Sabin. Woo! Um, I felt like the layout of this match was weird that they're all like in tag positions, mm-hmm. but it's also in a cage. Uh, I just felt really clunky and it wasn't even really because of the work as much as it was because of the way the match was l- designed or booked, I guess like it just didn't feel right. Uh, I will say shark boy looked great. So did Saban. Um, it was actually nice to kind of see chase, get it, get some shine. You know, I kind of forgot like, I, you know, people have a lot to say about Chase Stevens and it's all probably true, but I love that dude from deep down. He's always, I always treat people the way they treat me and he always treated me amazing. So got to love to see Chase get some shine there. Um, man, that top of the cage shooting star, nice nod there to Chase Stevens. Um, although he was also the first one eliminated, uh, (laughs) it was an awkward finish. Nice little match. Glad they got the Nashville guy, a little bit of shine, not bad, not great. Two and a half, maybe three beers, but I'm gonna go about two and a half. You know what? I'll do it again. Two and three quarter beers here. That's what I'm gonna say. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about this random hodgepodge of X Division wrestlers? I this seems like TNA once again trying to establish different rules in a match environment that just so they can eventually claim it as their own if it flies, right. kind of thing. Yeah, and. The concept definitely made this match suffer in every way that it possibly could have, as far as I'm concerned. It really hurt the match for me. There were so many really great spots. They also, though, production kept flashing to Damore and Diamond and missing these integral spots spots. in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, it's hard enough to film most of this because it's in a cage. Why are you fucking filming the managers right now while there's obviously some shit going down? But that aside... I mean, was it just me, or did that shooting star press, like, not hit anybody, really, though? He landed on his forehead. That's not on him, though. That's really not on him, though. I mean, either way, it's unfortunate to see. You know yes, what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, one of those yeah. things you see, and you're like, ah, fuck. And, uh, yeah. Well, you it, know, it was... Chase does have a reputation. Maybe, maybe they just got gave him arms for a reason. You know, you never know. Yeah. But 
I don't know. Um, I thought that sequence right there where Skipper matrixed out of that pin into an air raid crash for the three to eliminate Chase was really slick and really well done. As a matter of fact, I really liked most of Skipper's offense. Um, There there were, you saw some dudes go for some shit that was awkward just because of the placement of the cage and stuff too. Like at one point, Shark Boy goes for an avalanche hurricane Rana and he like, basically his legs normally would go outside of the length of the cage. So he gets kind of huddled up and it almost fucks up and they just like just barely pulled out of it. You saw a lot of that kind of thing here. I think the concept hurt the psychology of the match, too. I, I guarantee you these guys are trying to think about 18 things at once to keep everybody yeah. legal, and it just fucked it up. Uh, the ending was what it was. I don't know. Nothing right home about. Two beers, cool spots. Crowd was hype, but the concept ultimately made it way worse than it should have been. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that the concept for sure. I, I will say maybe it wasn't so much the concept as it was had this just not been in the cage with the same idea with the six-sided ring, it might have worked a lot better. But being in a cage with those restrictions, too, granted, I know we got that top, like, top-of-the-cage shooting star, but you could have done the same thing with, like, uh, you know, a springboard to the outside off the top rope shooting star, gotten kind of the same effect and probably had a better match on the process. But, Wex, what did you think about this hodgepodge of X Division, guys? I mean, it was just more crazy fucking chaos with lots of random spots. I love me some Shark Boy, though. When I saw Shark Boy, I was pretty hyped. I like his little Russian leg sweep kind of off the cage. That was pretty cool. But, of course, he has to get the Canadian destroyer and get eliminated by Petey Williams, which I was like, I think it's funny. After Chase Stevens does that super impressive shooting star press, he just gets eliminated for his efforts. It was within, like, 30 seconds. I don't know, like, immediately. He, like, immediately got uh, that uh, air raid crash thing by Elix Skipper, like, immediately from that. But, yeah, I do kind of like the finish, though, with – Petey Williams and Scott Demore and how he lands on his shoulders. Uh, so Chris Saban hits the ground first. I just, I, it was. I thought it was awkward just because they literally had just had Scott Demore hold Chris Saban from like. So it's like, oh, so like you could hold this guy, but you can't get your fucking asshole off your shoulder. Like it just, it wasn't. I don't think that eh. was planned well. Well, I only gave it two beers anyways, but. Oh, all right. Well, I mean, there were some cool spots here there, but it was just kind of just fucking all over the place, but. That's kind of what it is. Like you said, like it didn't really the match concept itself, like the tag positions didn't make sense with the cage. It just very convoluted. Yeah, I agree. Um, and let's uh, since we're talking about kind of weirdly structured matches, let's jump back over here to 2001. It's Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. It's a 30 minute submission match. Uh, I mean, okay, look, I get this. It's 2001. Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit are easily the best technical wrestlers in the world at this point. Um, but I don't know. Like, I feel like the points weren't booked well the way they did them. I feel like it, I feel like, you know how we always talk about like, you know, when they came out of this match, it looked better for the guys, like regardless of the match, like was the work great? Yes, it was. It was really crisp. It was really good. But I actually felt like if you're watching the match by the end of this match, both guys were kind of hurt by it. You know what I mean? It's like both guys, because there were so many points that got racked up and then it's like, and then you literally, literally you do the WrestleMania 12 finish. Like you do the WrestleMania 12 finish at the end. And it's like, I mean, it's exactly the same with angle being Brett and Benoit being Sean. It's exactly the same thing. Even still though, the work was so crisp that I gave it three and a half beers, but you know, you're going to do a 30 minute match. 2001 is not 1996. 
It's not the same 30 minutes when you have that kind of hype crowd where the signs that you bring to the show are almost more important than the show itself. And the crowd is such a living, breathing part of the Attitude Era. I don't know if 30 minutes was a good idea for them. You definitely felt the lull, even though people were tapping out at certain moments. And like that to me hurts both guys. So I'm only giving it three and a half years, but the actual wrestling was top notch. Um, Wex, let's bounce it back to you, man. What did you think about Angle and Benoit in this 30 minute submission match? I don't know. I enjoyed this match. I thought it was a goddamn slobber knocker of a submission match. Okay. And again, going back to that last <laughs> match that they had, I got some candy in my mouth. He was not ready. He's fucking I'm, eating over here. I don't think, he, I think he was going to be coming right back to me that quick, but that high holiday got him. It'll get you, but yeah, it had those U U UWFI rules that vibes to me again. Just all those, just basically suplexes and submissions. Like they weren't really doing much else. Like occasionally they get a little brawly, do this and that, but it was really just on the mat, really just trying to work each other. And I. I kind of did like the way they structured a bit because Chris Benoit, every time he'd work in to slowly get that cross face, he was just so like just working to get it. And Kurt would like always find a way to get out. And I love how the final deciding fall, even though it was the WrestleMania finish and they did the overtime shit. I like how the cross face was the final fall, even though he tapped out to it earlier. But the thing is, I, the thing is, if someone locks locks your move into you, if your move's like so badass, it should just fuck you up because it's that badass of a move. So it makes sense that he would tap out to his own move, but I just like it. I just like how slowly they were building to it, and then he finally hits it. At the, I don't know. Great match to me. I do understand what you're saying, like kind of makes them both look bad, like tapping out, but I don't know. I thought the crowd was still pretty hyped for this match. I was hyped for it. I went four and a half beers. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't care. Chris Benoit murdered his kid and his wife. He's still one of the top five best of all time in the ring. No doubt about Jesus it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I will not sign that off at all. I mean, I've said that way. How about that? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that it's good that he did it. I'm just saying all that aside. Well, we all, we've all established on this show that you're a puny son of a bitch, Wex. So we're just going to move on past that I'm crazy gonna ass thing. here soon, then. I mean, we'll see. Um, yeah, Jesse... <laughs> What do you think about this one? Um, Ross on his nickname bender again tonight. And you know, this was another one. Kept calling him the Wolverine machine. Did y'all notice yes. that? Yeah. And I, yeah, I noticed that and I've never heard that any other time besides this pay-per-view. I was like, this is not there's Brian Cage. This is there's Chris a fucking Cooper. reason why they didn't hear it after that. It fucking sucked. But they, they kind of go into explaining the thing with the submissions and yada, 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 and 30-second rest periods and shit. Although when they when Angle breaks one, there's, like, no recompense for it. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. The, the announcers sort of start to go into trying to explain the logic behind why you would want to tap earlier than normal in a match like this. But they really don't do enough because yeah. the psychology was there to explain – why you see these guys tap out more frequently than normal. Cause if you know, you have to go the distance and you wait until the fucking last minute, then you're out. It's yeah, just you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're just going to get tapped 10 times after that. So, right. But they did that psychology just didn't make it across. I don't know if it, I don't know who that falls on, but I also thought 30 minutes was way too goddamn the fuck long. Yeah. Um, you could have done 15 and had the same exact thing. You could have done 15 or you could have done like a best of five. Or something like yeah. that kind of thing. I don't know. To me, it just seemed like it was too much time, and the crowd had no choice but to kind of dip in and out of it. 
They did copy the WrestleMania finish. However, at least they didn't fucking copy the Montreal Screwjob again. Like, everybody is still doing to this motherfucking day. That is so, true. Just saying. Glad not to see that one. Copy another finish for once. Kudos to you. The uh, I gave it three and one quarter beers just because the work was good. And they did put on a 30-minute long engaging match if you were willing to sit and watch it. Um, it suffered, again, from the concept, much like the other show. And... Kind of, you know, there's a little bit more that could have been done with the story in it probably to keep it hooky, but yeah, three and a quarter for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm so we're all we're all kind of in the same ballpark. Wex likes it a little bit more. I'm too big of a Shawn Michaels fan to allow Chris Benoit to have that kind of shine. It's just <laughs> not my, uh, even, you know, regardless of what had happened, even if everything was hunky-dory and he was alive and wrestling today, Chris it's Benoit is not HBK, damn it. it. So. Just kidding. Oh, my God, Wex. Just kidding. Somebody's getting a damn DDT. You're absolutely right about that. Let's just keep things going here. Um, the next match on the card is going to be Samoa Joe versus Sabu uh, for the X Division Championship. Oh, um... I mean, it was stiff and violent, but Sabu is 2006 Sabu. He's not 96 or 97 Sabu. It was short, which is nice, because, I mean, Sabu is not going to put on a Matt Classic at this point. Uh, I mean, it's weird because, like, I I feel torn where it's like, I felt like they, I thought they, like, I thought they would get more time. But I'm glad they didn't because I feel like it kept it it kept the rating up. Like I gave it two and a half beers because it was stiff and violent. Joe looked like a fucking monster, which was the goal of this for Sabu to do the job and get paid for it, and that's what he did. And Sabu got his shit in, and he didn't have too many botches. Which is, I don't know, dude. Like Sabu, to, like I feel like Sabu is one of those guys where it's like he was just lucky to be in the '90s because like if he tried to do that shit today. That dude would have never gotten signed to any major company. That dude literally constantly would try the same move over and over and fuck it up like five times in a row and then nail it the last time. And that's his whole gimmick. Like, it's like, dude, that would never fly today. Like you, (laughs) Sabu is a great character. He was great for the time. But man, his shit just does not hold up the way it should. About two, two and a half years for me on Samoa Joe versus Sabu. Um, Jesse, where are you at on it? I, uh, surprisingly pretty close. I, you know, I kind of figured going into this that I might like this a little bit more than most, but, um, then I remembered that this match really wasn't all that great. The, um, I love Sabu's like almost eight bit bootleg entrance theme here. (laughs) Like there's just something about it that's so comical to me. I don't know. I thought Joe looked fucking great in the entrance and then you get right into just chair throws and all this stiff work. They did. I mean, they cleaned each other's clocks for the majority of the match. They sell that Sabu's rocking a broken arm from a match in Mexico, which kind of, you know, it's makes probably it, true. I'm sure it probably was, but it, it makes the whole thing a little bit more like believable and a little bit more shitty and bratty. So obviously they're trying to sell Joe as the ruthless heel here who's targeting that broken arm. And they're trying to sell Sabu as though he's the face. And the crowd's kind of behind him, but then like there's all this <laughs> just goofy weapon shit that Sabu is doing. And he like kicks at the camera at one point. And I'm pretty sure it's cause he was gigging in the corner, but the camera was like right up at him through that hole. And he like swipes at it and he looks pissed off. And I'm like, Oh yeah, they probably just caught him with the blade, but it did not hit rewind. The, um, the commentary did a really good job of trying to sell those guys roles, but in all honesty, I just felt like the work of a match like this to be that brutal. Neither guy is going to be the face. So just kind of wasn't clear with like the spike and the chair throwing and the whole thing. 
match suffered to me a little bit because I did think it was too short. I didn't think it needed a ton more time, but it just felt very brief at the end. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was decent story ish, but I gave it two beers. Two beers. Wex, where are you living on Samoa Joe versus uh, Sabu? I'm pretty much right there all around the same ballpark as you guys. And like you said, it was just pretty short and straightforward. It wasn't anything. I mean, literally, it was just Joe looked like a badass. Sabu get a few classic Sabu car crash spots that he's known for. You know, he's got to get his classic shit in there. And of course, like you said, he's he was bleeding. He was literally bleeding like two minutes into the match. Like I looked down and looked up and I'm like, oh, fuck, he's bleeding. When did that happen? Like. I literally looked away for a second. I guess that second was enough for him to gig, and I guess I didn't see that spot where he pushed the camera away, and that was those few seconds that he got the gig on in there. But uh, Joe hit a nice little, like, avalanche cutter from the top. I like that, you know, hitting the muscle buster, looking real fucking strong, and that was pretty much the intention, I guess, of this match, to keep Joe as the champion, keep him looking like a badass. And like you said, Sabu was 06 Sabu. You guys pretty much nailed all the main points, and... I went three beers just because, you know, I like seeing Joe look like a badass. It was classic. It was just nostalgia is what even gave me that extra further, that third beer, just because it was fun. But, yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Let's uh, let's jump back over here to the Brothers of Destruction in the back, uh, kind of having their own little, not really promo, where they're just talking to each other and they're getting a little camera time. Triple H and Steph promo too was pretty good. I, like Stephanie in this in this time was pretty bad, but she did all right at this show. Um, and then we get a package for Big Show and Shane. Um, I mean, granted, we've already talked about the whole fairy tale story thing, and they kind of used that again. The pack, the rest of the package, like I almost wish that they had just showed that promo again and just had it because it's like the rest of the package was like this is a little dumb like it doesn't really make sense for it to be this way really um but it is what it is it's shane mcmahon versus big show and last man standing match uh man what's crazy to me is how they got over which way did he go like people had signs (laughs) in the crowd that they made from home and brought for this angle like what like dude Okay, of all the things that you're going to put up, and you even they even had, like, multi-man signs. Like, four people held up, like, a big-ass sign that said, which way did he go? Like, what, 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 what the, what? Like, dude, like, there were so many signs, like, that said, which way, how are you a wrestling fan in 2001? You got, you got Hardys on this show. You got Edge and Christian. You got, you got Angle. You got Austin. You got Taker. You got Triple H. And what you put on a fucking sign is which way did he go? Like, this angle, was that over with you? Like, to me, those people should not be allowed to watch wrestling. Like, I'm not I'm not even, I'm not even going to lie. Like, that's Dude, nobody what, would sell merch anymore if you take out the Target demo. Shit. Jesus Christ, man. I mean, goodness gracious. The whole, I don't know, that, that just blew my mind. The match itself was what it was. Dude, you, you got to give this thing at least three beers just for that big-ass bump that is definitely iconic so i gave it i gave it four beers because the actual match was kind of shit it was a one one beer match but if i'm giving you three beers just for the big ass bump which you absolutely deserve i gotta go four beers i have to do it i mean fuck i got a chloroform spot in a match i'm giving it four beers guys i'm giving it four beers okay that's where i'm at with it wex what'd you think uh, literally, I gave it three and a half beers because of the chloroform spot because it was so garbage. It made me take away that half a beer. Oh but, no, I loved it. 
But dude, the cl- I mean, it was a classic Shane doing crazy shit. I mean, this was like the this was like the very beginnings because he only had a he had a few other things before this, but like this and like that one like free fall like thing he took with Steve Blackman like they actually Steve Blackman mentions pre-match in a little promo that I don't do we even go over that oh no we haven't we haven't got to the Blackman promo yet oh that's after this match okay but speaking of that but yeah Blackman even mentions that like like that fall this fall were like this was like the beginning like I guess like the beginning of like Shane's legendary crazy shit this was like when he first yeah, really it was like, yeah it was like, good. yes yes this is when he really first started like being known for like the wild shit and like I love how it was an they called it an elbow drop and he landed like a good foot away from the big show but it still looked cool. Me and like, my friends used to call it the wrist drop because he would just <laughs> wait for the longest time and just go like and yeah. it was like it wasn't even an elbow it's just like the wrist drop so like that's what we called it like he would just fly and then like that's yeah. that was his whole drop like it was it that was it like that's what he did so we called it the wrist drop. But I, I thought that was a cool, like a clever little finish where Tess used the fucking jib camera thing to like stand him up. It was that clever. That was clever. So that, I mean, that's why, I, that's the only reason it, it got that extra little thing. Cause like you said, that drop made it deserve three beers. It could have went four, but the chloroform spot just really pissed me off. I was just like, what, like what's going on here? Oh, like, no, it was I, an actual, it. I was it. like, come on, if this is really chloroform, the big show really would have just been out, but. This is sports entertainment, boys. This is not pro wrestling. This is sports entertainment. I loved it. Jesse, where you at? Man, I got to say, I thought this match served its exact purpose, and the people involved in the story all made sense, and it was, you know, classic Vince trying to do something to fuck Shane's world over kind of thing after he's humiliated for being beaten by his one and only son, WrestleMania. But... You know, the match wasn't bad. It They logically got to the big spot, too, which is one of those things that I always hated in certain parts of this era where, it like, a Jeff Hardy spot, he just starts climbing. Like, there's no fucking reason for it. It's like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. This, this kind of led into, holy shit, that's about to go down. Perfect build. That alone, like you said, would get this a pretty high rating to me, but there's just, like... The match itself, I really thought, made sense. And the finish also gets a nod. That The camera angle thing, West, as you said, was very fucking clever. I like that ending. Totally made sense. I gave it four beers. Four beers, man. That's a, that's a, Yeah, I feel like we're all kind of in the same ballpark on that one. I thought we would actually argue a little bit on that one. And maybe we'll argue a little bit on this next one over here. Um, in 2006 on lockdown, it's Team 3D, or as the Dudleys is what I'm going to fucking call them for the rest of this time. Um, versus Team Canada, man, like what the? Okay, first of all, before before we get into the match, what actually happened to A One? I feel like we kind of talked about this before, Jesse. I know you've got some insight. Where's it at? He last anybody checked was helping run security at a strip club somewhere in Florida, and he almost killed a guy in real life for kicking him out of the bar, chasing him down the street to fight, and giving him a shoot power bomb onto a car. <sighs> What you can look up old episodes of Talking Shop, the podcast, and on one of them where they're interviewing Scott Demore, he tells that story, and they actually get a one on the phone on the show. It's pretty fucking fun. Oh yeah, no, I so, want to wait. Is that from like the, the original Talking Shop? Yeah, you can find it's in the it's in the like dozen or so that you can find on YouTube. Okay. So did he just quit wrestling or what happened? Uh, yeah, he just got out of it. He wasn't getting bookings. He wasn't doing that kind of thing no more. And he that's just started crazy. Like he wasn't yeah. bad. Like that's kind of crazy that he stopped getting booked. I, I, think I guess he, he was just a total dick. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I don't really know the story behind that. But yeah. well, anyway, let's jump into the match here. 
It's Team Canada versus the Dudleys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, guys, I thought it was pretty well done. I actually liked the capture the flag stipulation. I thought it was a cool little way they set it up. And this is one of the few matches on the card that didn't have to be a brutal match, but the cage actually helped the match work. Um, which is nice to see, kind of. I thought that, you know, this is TNA, and they're throwing, like you said, they're throwing shit against the wall to see if it sticks, see if they can claim a format and see if it works. I mean, I don't know if you can have the same kind of participants. Um, maybe you should have, like, a tag team and, like, the, the manage, like, like, for example, I literally wrote this down. Like, if Cornette and, like, the Midnight Express were against, like, you know, uh, the Rock and Roll Express and like, you know, just some baby face like a uh, valet or something. And they had like Cornette and like the valet playing like the on the top rope role of like, even if it was a four sided ring where you have to stay on the top rope or whatever and try to cross over and get the flag. I felt like that's a pretty good idea without making a brutal thing. There's a lot of ways to create suspense there. Um, it, it was good. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by this one. I've said that a few times, but I mean, it, it was, it was great. You, you get all the really cool spots in. Now what killed the match for me was <laughs> the going. super patriotic bullshit ending at the end, like <laughs> killed it for me. Like, I, like I had this match at about three and a half beers and I took a whole beer away for the fact that like, Tanae is talking about the next match and everything's going on. And you could just hear this drunk ass Florida crowd butchering the national anthem in the back. And they're doing their absolute best to not like not get on it right away until it's just undeniable. And like them, they can't talk over it anymore. It's just so loud. It was, it was too much. It was just too much for me. So I'm right at about two and a half to three beers. I'm going to do it for the, third time on the show i'm gonna go 2.75 beers on this team 3d versus canada match um jesse where you at on it i mean i didn't mind the concept i i I gotta agree that i think a lot of it is it's at least different we already have something that's all cage matches and so you gotta find some kind of something to kind of it didn't suck it didn't suck it didn't suck the um uh, all the moves that the crowd wanted to see got done. I felt like that they did play up. You know, EY really showed out to me here. I thought he yes. did a really good job, yeah. you know, being the slithery, shitty heel and uh, and and trying to be the sneaky guy and yada, yada, yada. I thought Damore killed it on the outside of the ring. He had his thing down. The spots were good. They played up that the dynamic of a pretty classic fucking tag team match. I mean, it was it was very well put together, and I thought it accomplished exactly what it should have. It was a big moment for the show. The match wasn't that bad. I gave it four beers, and like you, I was going to go higher, but everything that happened at the end not only sucked, but then like there was like a botch with the anthem and shit. And I even noted, I was like, well, this is the Canadian broadcast footage, so maybe they did that on purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah, maybe they did. It's possible, you know, because Canadians hate us. But uh, Right. Yeah. So what was your t- overall beer one more time? Four. Four beers. Okay. All right. Wex, where are you at on it? Okay, you were 2.75. Jesse yep. was four. I'm right there in between both of you. I went with the half a six pack on this one. Three beers. Okay. Three beer. And, you know, it was kind of a shit show, kind of a clusterfuck at, at times. But like you said, it had it, it kind of still had its own unique little story. And I like the whole flag thing. And they did like a classic little ref bump. So like the baby faces couldn't get the wind and they had to fight back. And then eventually, you know, it, 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 told, it told a classic tag story. It was, I mean... Like you said, EY going through the table, putting his body on the line. Good God Almighty, these superstars. Good God you know. Almighty. And Demore, like you said. How do you learn to fall on a wooden table? 
But yeah, like you said, Demore, very slimy, very sneaky, doing his shit, sliding the tables in. But classic wrestling style, he slides them in for his team. They set him up, and who goes through the table? That's, That's like right. classic wrestling That's fashion right see. there. But, uh, you know, good shit here. Fikes, uh, Spike Dudley, which I'm going to call him instead of Brother Runt, gets to do the acid drop and not the Dudley dog, which... You know, they did like, call it the acid drop, though. They I actually called it the acid yeah. drop, and I was like, all right. And we, at least he gets redemption on one pay-per-view, and, like, you know, <clears throat> you got to put some respect on that name. You know you know what I'm saying? Respect. Exactly. But, yeah, three beers, half a six-pack. It is what it is. I probably would have went a little higher, too, if it wasn't for that goddamn fake patriotic bullshit. Like, I just don't uh. understand, like, blind patriotism for it no reason. It was fake. It was drunk, because they would, like, pan to the crowd and you could just see like homeboys and like Jacksonville Jaguars jerseys just being like home of the free. And it's like, they're, they're not even at this point. Like, like, like kind of like Jesse said, like they're, it's just, this is a thing you could get into a show for like $12 at that point. Like people are just coming to get drunk and hang out. Like the, yeah, the, no mean, one's they're not real. And honestly, independent wrestling in 06 was not a good place to be. Trust me. Like, there was no that there, dude. Independent wrestling now is literally one hundred times better than it was in two thousand and six. Like there was Especially nothing. In Tennessee. Oh, Especially anywhere, in dude. Anywhere. Like it was just. Ugh. But yeah, I mean, it was what it was. Let's let's keep it moving here. Let's keep it moving. America. Gotta, yeah, dude. Wrestling fan, drunk wrestling fans will chant USA at a match where there's no fucking wrestlers from the USA even wrestling. Like, yep. Can, oh, yeah. can confirm. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's happened in South Texas. Um, anyway, back over here to 2001 Backlash. It's Triple H and Vince with a pretty ironic promo considering the current situation with uh, Triple H actually being the son and <laughs> oh, yeah. making about half of what Triple H is making and not involved in the actual creative of the company at all. Uh, but anyway... And then we also get the Blackman at WWF New York. And then Grandmaster crashes the interview. Oh, God. Why the fuck do you give Blackman and Grandmaster Sexay time here? Like, what's the... Like, okay, look. If you have plans for these guys, I understand. And at the, at the time, I was like, oh. When I saw him on the screen, I, like, laughed a little bit. I giggled. And I was like, all right. Like, this, is, th- this makes sense. He's about to have that match with Steve Blackman. And then I realized, no, no, wait. He's already done with Steve Blackman. I don't even know if Steve Blackman had another big program after this at all. Like, I, I want to say that he was out of the company by the end of 2001. Yeah, so I don't think I, I was surprised to see him here. Yeah, like, yeah, I was like, what? But what? But why? Like, why is he on my screen? Right? I don't know. It, it made no was, sense. They have to have somebody at WWF New York to promote it. That's why he was he, in the area. They said Blackman. It was a club in New York. He had some drumsticks. You know, he's kind of known for those. So he air drummed a little bit, got real drunk. And he had a rapper with him. Brian Lawler smoked a little bit of weed with him and got a little too crazy. Um, R.I.P. God love you, Brian. Uh, But on to the next one. It's Shane McMahon versus Big Show. I feel like we just covered something like this. Uh, Like five minutes ago. (laughs) Um. It's actually Matt Hardy versus Christian versus Eddie Guerrero for the WWF European Championship. That's what happens next. Oh, God. Jesse, what do you think about this triple threat match? I mean, I wish that they had 
cut that whole WWF New York thing out and giving these guys a little bit more than like seven minutes because that would have been pretty dope. But you know, I see the logic here. You're uh, you're, you're you make it drag on with a <laughs> really fucking long match to the live crowd and everybody's kind of like, uh, what in the fuck is going on? And then you have the gigantic spectacle of Shane falling like 40 some odd feet from the truss. You want to put in a good workhorse match. It's not going to completely lose everybody, but you also want to cleanse the palate of everyone there before that, you know, the triple H music hits or the Austin music hits or the taker music hits. You want to make sure that they're like super psyched for your main and that your main isn't trying to top something like a 40 foot fall off a fucking truss. So, It's perfect placement, and that's not to shit on the match. I mean, it wasn't. I, I think that they even got like more. No, they blatant. got good time, yeah. They got more blatant about putting shitty matches here after this. I think that this is the era where they start to see like, okay, if our like taste bud cleanser match is actually real good, that's not a great thing. Plus, yeah. they had a bunch of schmozzy shit in the finish here, and spoiler alert, a bunch of schmozzy shit in the finish of the main. I felt like that that should have just been saved for the main if they were going to do it. it. Didn't make sense to me because yeah. this match really didn't need it. Yeah. But the crowd did pop for seeing Jeff Hardy and did pop for seeing Edge. We got great work. Eddie Guerrero is on fucking fire here. There are a couple yeah. of super sick transitions. Uh, I, you know, overall, I gave it a 3.75. I mean, it wasn't the best match out of these three, but it was a triple man match that was meant to distract folks. So what, are you, you know, what can you expect? No, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm almost exactly right there with you. I'd really high hopes for this one, but it, it actually like, okay. I would say on paper, this match should have been better than it was. And maybe it was positioning, um, but, uh, Matt, Har- okay. All right. I'm just going to say it. Matt Hardy was not Matt Hardy was the weakest link in this match at this point. Like for sure. Christian was definitely holding up his end of things. The Eddie Christian like spots were really, really, really good. And, and like you said, Eddie was like absolute gold. Um, and dude, the edge run in with the Eddie cover was gold. Like it was just really well done with Eddie just trying to steal that win and the false finish. Cause honestly, that would have been the, that should have been the finish. And you know, edge comes in, hits that big spear and then Eddie just pushes Christian off and takes the win. That should have been the win. In my opinion, that'd be a perfect um, Eddie Guerrero win, right? Yes, there. it would have been, pr- and the crowd was ready for that. They would have exploded, like it, it was. They were ready for it. Um, they didn't do that because it was before the main event. That's exactly yeah, why. Yeah, and and they did honestly. They did. I I know, like, dude, I'm a false finish, like Mark. Like that's that to me is what really makes a match. Like my my, if you're gonna get a four and a half, five and a half, six six pack for me it's because you had really good solid believable false finishes and that one was a good one but i felt like this match actually had too many of them like there were too many false finishes and then you got then you get to a point where you're like okay this is egregious like now i'm like my suspension of disbelief is gone because like i don't know it it just wasn't it was three and a half years for me it was a really good match but it uh, it could have used a bit more time. I would have liked to seen this one switched out. Literally, I feel like this one should have opened the show, and the Dudleys and X Factor should have been the Let Me Up match. You know what I mean? Like that that to me would have been a much better spot for it because this would have been way hype, high action, fast paced to open the show. Great workers, but you know it's 2020. I know it. You know it's hindsight and all that other bullshit. Uh, Wex, where are you at on it? I'm literally right there with you exactly for three and a half beers but not all the exact same reasons all these like when you have all three of these guys in the ring they're always going to be pretty solid but one thing i thought in my head this would be a lot better if it was jeff hardy instead of matt hardy in there 
That's what I was thinking the whole yeah. time. But I did notice that Matt Hardy still got a really loud pop for taking his shirt off, and he like wasn't oh, yeah. in that great shape. He was just like an okay shape. And well, they still, still, there's, you know, this is pre Jeff Hardy like solo run too, so we're experiencing like we're still at the height of Hardy Boys original era. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and then uh, when Jeff did come out, he was wearing that weird. He had the little Scotty Two Hottie visor gimmick going on with his hair coming out of the top. It's never a fan of that. That that Jeff Hardy was. Oh, I, I I did rock that look for a while, to be honest. Ooh, of course you did. Uh, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I I had the exact same note that this match felt like it was a little rushed. Like if they had a little bit more time, probably would have went better. But I just thought it was like odd. It was basically two tag team guys versus a singles guy, and then their two tag team guys come to help them, and he's out there just. And you're normal. You're usually just seeing these guys in the tag team match, and they're fighting for the European Championship. It was just like the most random. It was the lowest low card championship in the company. I guess was the hardcore title lower than that? Would you say? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. But the hardcore title was its own thing, but yeah. still, like the European Championship was like wasn't quite as good as the Intercontinental Championship, but you know, it was a title. It was something. <laughs> it was a title. The European Championship now, I feel like, is they've diminished it down to being like what uh, the Money in the Bank is now. It's almost like now you, you expect mean, you mean the Money the, in the, the Bank. Twenty four seven title. No, I'd say the twenty four seven title is what the Hardcore title used to be. So that's uh-huh. even lower than the European because I feel like Money in the Bank carries a little bit more weight. But when have we really had a main event or win a Money in the Bank in a while? You know what I mean? It's always been like a guy's like John in the past Cena's three years. The last one, that's right? what I'm saying. It's like the past three or four years, it's just been like lackluster at best, but. But yeah, three and a half beers, like, great work for Eddie Guerrero, of course. Eddie Guerrero's fucking fantastic. Always going to be good. Him and Christian, it probably could have got four beers, maybe four and a half if it would have been Jeff Hardy. Just saying. And Jesse, where are you at on this uh, this menage for the European Championship? I gave it three and point seven five beer skis. Oh, so we were all pretty close. Yeah, yeah. We, were all, we, were all, we were all fairly close on this one. Let's jump back over to uh, TNA 2006. Okay, so uh, the next match, well, before there's a match, it's Christy Hemme debuting here for TNA uh, to put Zabisco on probation. And Mike Tanay just killed it in his role, by the way. Like, (laughs) Mike Tanay is just like, well, did you do anything wrong, Larry? Oh, God, I loved it. I loved it. It was really good. Raven got reinstated. Um, it was, it was a cool little pop from the crowd, even though I hated Zabisco anytime he's ever on the mic. Honestly, I didn't like him on nitro. I think he's not ever really been good on the stick. So I don't understand how, why people keep putting a microphone in front of him, but it wasn't great for me. Raven getting reinstated was kind of cool, even though Raven is bloated Raven at this point, And you could tell he's not all there. And, you know, I wrote that he was doing his best modern day Vince Neal here. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty fair to say. And then we got a silent promo from Christian. Okay. Um, yeah, so uh Jesse, what do you think about this whole hodgepodge of shit that we had before this uh NWA Worlds with an S heavyweight championship match? Man, every time I see Christy Hemi and TNA, I have to pop a little bit. We have a very good wrestling buddy friend, the late Kyle Travis, who we lost a few years ago. But he would always tell this story that a friend of his who worked for TNA managed to swipe him one of her like makeup towels or something from the back because he had a big celebrity crush on her. And he kept that motherfucker very close. My goodness. The rest of his days, trust me. But I just always, every time I see her, like the first thing that comes to my mind, and for whatever reason, it's funny as shit to me. But anyway, the 
whole announcement exchange thing with Tanae was fucking hilarious, but it was like, how much more obvious can it be that you have to get Larry Zabisco off of the goddamn camera? Like, Ugh. it's just been too long, and it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, I'm interested for them to explain why Raven got reinstated in a surprise announcement, but he's already there. That's an awful expensive flight to just come hang out and eat popcorn. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he had to have been like given the nod previously in the day, but yeah. they don't say anything about it, which kind of drives me nuts. Silent treatment package. I didn't mind. I mean, you know, he's supposed to be intimidated. Christian Cage heading into this match against the monster or whatever, but the whole wife stalking angle thing is like Jesus Christ. I get it, and they had tried some similar things with like Sting and Jarrett and yada yada yada, but. The big thing here is that both James Mitchell and Abyss, their characters are robbed of any credibility the minute you try and put them in a real-world setting. Because it's yeah. like they're not walking up to people on the street and setting somebody up for a sting and nobody suspects anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, no, yeah. You know, eh, I don't know. But it's pretty I mean, obvious. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun stuff. You know, They tried to at least get some kind of angle here, so you got to give them some kind of credit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was what it was. For me, it was just like – I, I mean – I don't know. The package wasn't great. What do you What do you think about these promos, man? I don't know. It just reminded me like an, another TNA pay-per-view we watched a while back that we reviewed the whole time. Larry Zabisco was popping up, interrupting all the interviews, and it led, had something to do with him and Raven. I think he fired Raven, right? Yes. Yeah. See, so like, yeah, and it's just the same bullshit. Like, I, fuck Larry Zabisco. It was the Bobby the promos up. we watched. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And so like... They they should have just abandoned that whole Larry Zbysko Raven thing. It was lame. And the silent treatment promo, I didn't really – I mean, I get it, but I still didn't get it. I get it, but I still didn't get it. That's kind of what the, the way I felt about the actual match here, too. It's Abyss versus Christian Cage. It's the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. Uh, lots of brawling in the crowd from the beginning. Um I mean, Christian took a hell of an ass whooping and like the top rope frog splash was incredible. He did a lot of selling and then some big hope spots. It was a good angle um, and a pretty good match. Uh, but it, I don't know. Abyss just feels way too much like mankind and Kane had like a manufactured baby and like, it just doesn't honestly, it's abyss. It's abyss is the main reason. Cause Christian worked his ass off. I will say this though. I did actually think that the, the, the match, Bell to Bell uh, was the best one of the night. I really did think it was the best match of the night. Um, some of those tax spots were crazy. That face, I know he's wearing a mask, but like, still, you know, the illusion of it. Yeah, the illusion of it is is fucking incredible. So I, I went four and a half beers on this match just because, like, I mean, like, it was it was it was right where I thought it should be. It wasn't too much, although I will say. Mm, and we'll get to the main event later, but I do think that this, you know, you first of all, it's fuck guys. It's TNA, okay? <laughs> like you're not WWE, and at the risk of sounding like Jesse, you gotta have your world title last. You have to have it last. It's your most personal issue you have going on the show too. It's not just title; it's also personal storyline. You know you're gonna get blood and thumbtacks and shit. Like I, it's, that should have been this. This should have been the main event to me. Um. But yeah, you know what? I'm going to bounce it to Wex because I want to know what he thought about Abyss versus Christian Cage in this NWA World's Heavyweight <laughs> Championship match. Well, I agree that it should have been the main event. And I'll tell you one reason why it wasn't the main event because of guess who was in the main event and who was running the fucking company at the time? B O double S. 
Exactly. So that's a, that's the main thing that came into my head. I was like, of course, Jeff Jarrett's going to be in the main event instead of the world title. And it's uh, pretty cool hearing Christian come out because now he still uses that theme song in, in AEW. AEW. Yeah, which so is I'm super saying, cool. Yeah. So is Christian's TNA career and AEW career like one canon storyline than his WWE career is like something different? I this think is it like, is. This is a continuation of his TNA yeah. career. Uh, did you see in the last AEW, he he wore those tights. Those are the same tights that he wore in TNA, the Christian Cage tights. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then it is. That's okay. Yeah. So AEW is canon to old TNA. So yes. especially, so we got everything. We got Generation Me. We got everybody in there now. It's because of the Forbidden Door, bro. The I love fucking it. Forbidden Door. And I noticed uh, at the beginning of this match, even though Christian came in hot like or whatever, straight off the ramp, the fans were chanting boring. There was oh, yeah. a boring, boring, but then they later turned into holy shit. They did manage to get a boring chant reversed into a holy shit chant, which I mean, you, you got, you got to say that's, that's pretty, that's a pretty good accomplishment there. They, yeah. they really, they, they reeled them in, they got them in there and dude, lots of sick spots from Christian, like the tornado DDT from the top, the fucking frog splash that I, I was yes. like, I thought that was the finish. I was like, dude, is it, it's it, dude. He's fucking, he's going to hit a frog splash from the top. Like. I guess it sold the abyss being like the a monster, but like the same thing. I I don't like abyss. I've ne- he's never been credible to me. That's like a reason I didn't like TNA. Like he's not. It's too the mask is too much. Like you said, Kane mankind is just too. I cheap. loved it when he took his mask off and was like a was like the wuss because I felt like he killed it as like yeah, a Joseph gentle giant. Park. Yeah, that was yeah like, he killed it that way. I never liked him with the mask on. It was just too I, I, I agree. I agree fully. I agree fully. He wore face paint for a little while and that was better. I was like, okay, it's not the mask. It's like. Something different, but just totally didn't like that. But of course, Mitch, I like James Mitchell, and then you know, a little spot tossed in the cane or whatever. But and then came, he Christian just fucking obliterated on him, just destroyed him. And he he did take a gnarly thumbtack spot, so you got to give it to him for the work he did. I just don't like the character of Abyss. I don't know what it is. I, yeah. Just <sighs> and Don West at the end of this match, he's like, right in the face, right in the <laughs> face, right in the face. And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ is like someone. Get, how many fucking how much cocaine did this guy do before this match? He took some Adderall, did like Hogan levels of cocaine, and he's just that's, losing his mind right that's now. That's how you sell them cards, son. Jeez. I mean, I did personally buy uh, like a back uh, one of those little drawstring backpacks with like six TNA DVDs and a Shark Boy action figure from Dom West. So he, there he is a salesman. I will I will give him that. But. That call on commentary just made me want to just punch the fucking TV. It really pissed me off. But besides that, I mean, for, I mean Christian. But besides wanting to punch the fucking TV. Besides that, Chris put on a good performance. Abyss, he, he worked hard. Four beers for me. It was a good match. Jesse, where you at on it, man? Man, I thought they told a really good story with the majority of the stuff in this match, the way that they paced it. And it, I mean, clearly Christian Cage being the underdog in this environment. And he's like. If you notice the way that they kind of start to speed stuff up, and he's just really slowly learning to use Abyss's momentum against him in order to fuel his comeback, I just thought the way that they told that, and then the spots that he pulled after the fact were just brilliantly mapped out. It was just a really, it was a storybook match to me in a way that nothing else on this card was. The um, I love seeing James Mitchell use the damn holes for the camera. It's so funny when you see somebody utilize that shit and nobody else has the rest of the night. And I like that it's not overkill, but... It's great to see that. I mean, it's just such an obvious fucking cheat. Like, you know, if you know what you're doing, you're going to do that shit. But 
I think that the overall, I mean, probably the biggest pop of the entire match to me was when Tanae said that Christian got goozled because <laughs> there's just something about him calling goozled that you don't expect to hear. So that was a good one. The finish was good, I thought. I mean, both guys taking these tack bumps and stuff, everybody made it look like it was a legitimate threat to them, including Abyss. And for being as big as he was, I thought he worked good. His character just sucked. But anyway, four and a half beers, definite WWE main event style. You can tell Christian was taking the lead here, but I really did like how they changed this matchup from the other matches in their series. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. It, you know, it's... Um... I got to say this, though, for the for our Patreon watchers here, every time like Wex reaches behind him, he really looks like he's fluffing RVD. Like you just look like you're making sure to give him just a nice little handy. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. It's very nice. Tickling the chins there. Yeah, I mean, it was what it was. It should have been the main event. It should have been the main uh, spot on the card. And we'll get to why. Uh, but let's talk about the main event on 2001's back last year. It's the two man power trip. And I said at the beginning of the show, damn it, man. Like, it kind of, like, it's an iconic thing that, like, honestly, what would Triple H even be the star that he is without, like, having torn his quads? Because, I mean, we all remember that pop when he came back. We all remember that insane pop and his insane 2002 year, too. Like, when he came back, it was wild. But, like, I feel like Austin and Triple H had legs. And I really do feel like, you know, Austin's always like, I wish I wouldn't have turned heel. It didn't work out for me. But, like, if if Hunter hadn't gotten hurt, Hunter had so much heat that him being with Hunter would have given him all the heat he needed. And I do feel like he would have gotten that full on almost Hollywood Hogan level heel thing if he had just embraced like Stephanie and Triple H. And like if if that had all worked out, it might have been a different story. And this match kind of tells the tale of that. I, I felt like, you know, it's it's a two man power trip versus the Brothers of Destruction. All the titles on the line. Um, I mean, it was, it was really good, dude. Austin was bumping and feeding like a true fucking heel. Like he was, he worked his ass off in this match. This was, it was cool to see like, you know, we're five years post neck break at this point, you know, or four years post neck break. And he's, he worked really hard, very flare. Like I would say very bait and switch. Um, he definitely worked that 90s kind of style. I know it's 2001, but like he was working at a flair level, trying, really trying to be a heel. And if you're going to pull it off, like this show, I feel like he did kind of pull it off because people wanted to cheer for Taker and Kane. And they did. And it, it worked. Like Austin was an actual heel. This is only a month after Mania, and people were booing him. Like, and that's what he wanted. Like, and it, it, it did happen. So, that's why I feel like, you know, Austin always says, like, I really wish and they never really got behind me as a heel, blah, 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 blah. But, like, it's really because Hunter got hurt. Because, I mean, with you guys having all the gold, you were you were working towards a monster heel run that would have been great. But instead, you switched to being funny with Kurt Angle and haha is never heel. Those H's don't go together. If you make people laugh, you're not a heel. And that's what he ended up doing with the whole what thing. But, I mean, overall, man, the match was good. It really was. Um, it was very well booked, told a great story. I, I just I can't get off the fact that I, I just really want to know in what alternate universe what the two-man power trip ended up looking like had Hunter not torn his quads. Because this is great, man. I get it four and a half beers. Like, seeing Austin really pull off being a heel. Like, and pe- when, when I literally heard them boo when i heard the crowd boo austin and you could see his face when he looked at the crowd and you could tell he was like 
fuck yes. Thank you for booing me. Like when I, when you could see it on his face, he looked at the hard cam at one moment when they were just booing him and stomped on Kane's dick. And I was like, yes, like <laughs> this is amazing. Like this is, I love it. I, I, I don't know. I loved it. Maybe I just got carried away in nostalgia, but four and a half beers for me, man. I love triple H and Austin. Thought that worked great as a team. Jesse, where are you at? I mean, I thought that the story of this match, they definitely did a really good job, you know, playing the heel part, the power trip. The, the there's all that reluctance of wanting to get in the ring and then Taker kind of getting on top of them and yada, yada, yada. And then eventually that counter that last ride. And then, you know, the heels get their little bit of, you know, their little bit of business taken care of. They start to get the advantage and they're taking advantage of Kane's weakness and finding a weakness on the big guy. And it's kind of like you can feel the crowd going with the intended motion of the dynamic of the match more and more and more as it goes. In my opinion, kind of up until Vince, I just, I really wish that they had figured out a way around having Vince involved in this. I really feel like Triple H and Austin could have healed just as convincingly, if not more, without having to have the schmas. And they had so much of that shit on the show already. Should have been Steph. See, I, I think it just should have been Steph. Either way, I, I thought they could have done without it. You know what I mean? With the, the endings on the match staying the way that they are for the rest of the card, I just really felt like that hurt this one. But it just wasn't as exciting. It's like, oh, yeah, we get interference, fucking whatever. But seeing them walk out with all the gold is a pretty powerful shot. And I agree that had this been allowed to continue, had Triple H not hurt himself, I mean, fuck. Like, I think it would have been a big tide turner. That being said, I do think it's one of the weaker main events of 2001 WWF. Therefore, it is a three-beerer for me. Oh, disagree. Wax, where you at? I, like, I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I mean, you didn't get, like, Kurt Angle, Benoit, like, levels of athleticism, but it was still really good, and I agree with you wholeheartedly about Stone Cold. He was fucking fantastic as a heel Dude, in this match. He so was doing good. so much good, like, chicken shit stuff. Like, I love, like, getting on the knees, like, asking to shake Undertaker's the hand. Time out. The time out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, time out, all that shit, but then, like, as soon as, like, they would turn their back, you know, he'd, like, hit them with something cheap, like. Ugh, so I, good. Like, just like you said, it and Jesse, if they would have stayed together, this had great potential. Just he did so many, like, just like exactly flair like, like, exactly. He, this was top notch, like, stone cold heel work. If he could have continued, like, this whole past that wasn't even was a top top the press, he literally, yeah. like, took a Ric Flair spot. Like, and he was bumping a lot, just like oh, you said. Yes. Like, he. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't like pre-neck, like you said, it wasn't pre-neck break like technician Austin, but Austin was bumping and selling and like he was, he was killing. Yo, I really yeah. enjoyed this and I popped super hard, which uh, I can actually pull this on camera for us. Hey, RVD. It's 420. Thanks for being here. Who's high? Especially with a Patreon right here. Uh. Austin, can you even see it? No, okay, no, really. damn it. Well, I got the Austin toy uh, with the red knee braces, just like he's wearing in this match, and he didn't wear the red knee braces for very long. Damn it, you can't see it, but... Turn oh, off your shit in the background for a minute. I don't know how. You're but, a son of a bitch. God, Wex. But it's the Stone Cold You're toy. Just all, people are paying for oh, this Oh, wait, shit. you see it. There it is. Put your hand behind it. See the red knee braces right there. You see it. Red knee brace, 2001 backlash, Stone Cold Steve Austin, best heel work he's ever done. And if the McMahons, if it wasn't the McMahon sledgehammer spot, they'd probably get to get more beers from me. But the two-man power trip, 
and it dragged on just a tad bit too long at points. But the story, story, story was like the main part of this match, and four and a half beers right there with Daniel. <sighs> Damn good match. Especially well, unfor- tag team match. Unfortunately, we have to talk about another main event here. And yeah. uh, it's Team Sting, or Sting and his Warriors versus Jarrett and his army, because that <coughs> makes fucking sense. Like, why isn't it just Team Sting versus Team Jarrett? Because you're really trying to be war games here, yeah. even though your ring is so tiny. Like, okay, I will say this. Like, the six-sided ring is cool, but it needs to be bigger. Like, that's got to be, like, with a six-sided ring, that's got to be, like, at most 16 by 16, like, all the way around. Like, there's no way. It may be even, like, 14 or 15 by 15. It's so small on the inside. Like, so small. They, uh, I don't know. This this match really showed me how small the ring was with these six guys in there. Like, there was people on top of people. It was like, it was like a, like a, a punk house show. Like, these six guys could have filled up a living room and it would have been a great house show. Like, it was, it, it was so packed, man. Like, it was just not, I don't know. It wasn't good. The whole matching gear with Styles and Harris, too. I know I say that shit all the time, but fuck, they opened the, the match and they look yeah. like a damn tag team. Like, what the yeah. fuck is that? How would I that, know. that would, ugh, that should never, I, I hate it. It should never be there. I mean, look, some of the guys got great color. I don't put over James Storm enough on this show. I know I've given him shit. And it's all well fucking deserved. But at the same time, he did a great job in this match. He took a good bump. He got some really good color. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, It was what it was. The top of the cage spot was cool. Um, I mean, I don't know. For all and the finish for the whole thing for Harris to lose with a very quick tap out was like just a shitty way to end a match like this of all matches. Like we you need a big one, two, three. It can't be a tap out. At least give him like a big scorpion death drop or whatever. Like it shouldn't have been a tap out. I understand that you're already like, you know, Chris Harris puts on the scorpion death lock or whatever. And like, that's how it works. But like, it just felt like a transitional move and not a finish. It wasn't good. I gave it two and a half beers. It wasn't for me. Um, You know, the only reason why it even got two beers was for the AJ Styles top of the ladder on top of the cage through James Storm giving you your 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 little props there cowboy uh taking that that's it was what it was you know two and a half beers for me wex where you at in this main event yeah i mean it was kind of another one of those clusterfuck weird not make sense things they were all coming in like first it was a five minutes and they all started coming in two minutes after that and then like you said the ring is just so tiny everyone's like literally at one point because actually i was watching this as i was talking to daniel a little bit earlier before we started really recording before Jesse got in there and I was watching it. And at one point everybody was just laying down in different corners of the ring. And then there's just two people standing there and I'm like, Hey, literally everyone's just laying down and two people are standing up pretty cool tower, a power spot that had a bunch of people that had AJ styles at the end of it. Looked like that. He took some pretty hard, like, yeah, like the brunt of like all of it. That was pretty sick. I will say that. And just kind of like he said, the oh, definitely the top of the cage spot, AJ Styles, super sick. And when I saw Chris Harris locking the Scorpion Death Locker, yeah, Scorpion Death Lock, I was like, and think about what happened to Chris Harris in just a few years. One, one, at one point, you're putting Sting in the Scorpion Death Lock, and the next thing you know, 
your brain walker, and then you're off TV completely. And uh, like your career's over, yeah. And then you make a brief appearance at Impact when James Storm has his like 1,000th match. Their buddies still. So uh, yeah, it was yeah, it is what it is. It was a cool, cool little pyro in the cage came down, you know, thought little little extra pizzazz for that there. But I agree, a tap out was so anticlimactic. Also, I was watching the end of that when I was there, and I was like, oh, oh, it's over. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. over. The crowd, the crowd kind of was just like, oh, too. Like they weren't very hyped for it. It was just like, kind of a dud. Definitely that the Christian match should have been the main event. It would have. It still would have been. It fit its purpose. The Sting's Warriors versus yeah. Jeff Jarrett's Army. Yeah. God versus Satan. If it was a semi-main, it might have gotten a better rating, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it just, just was kind of a yeah, anticlimactic with that fucking tap out instead of a pin. Like I was just like, oh yeah, fuck. So I guess this, this thing's over. Okay, the pay-per-view's over. And it just kind of ended, too. It just, like, showed the credits. And I was like, uh, okay. I did Wait. like how Sting uh, basically obliterated. It was like sword fight, Jeff Jarrett versus Sting, guitar versus bat. And Sting yeah. just beat the fuck out of the guitar and obliterated it. I, I popped for that part. It was pretty cool. But, yeah, same thing. I'm two beers on this one. It was kind of a trash, kind of a trash main event. Jesse, where are you at on this unfortunate main event? It's a pretty uh, stereotypical TNA booking. Just a ton of guys in the match at one time. Um, you know, the concept of the match, again, one of those very elaborate Dusty Rhodes-ass concepts, you know, like <laughs> that it can't start until I'm like, okay, so it's 15 minutes before the first fall can even count or begin. I'm like, So I automatically, my inclination is to just skip forward 15 minutes and see what the fuck happens. <laughs> like, because there's nothing of consequence that can really happen, you know? Yeah, but they did a decent job of keeping it like pretty involved. It didn't really get slow and boring at all to me. I mean, like there there were some times when it was a little draggy, but not too bad. The um, the top of the cage spot cannot go without mentioning it. Definitely, you know, that spot of the night material like that. That was one of the cooler things I've seen. I've never really seen anything like it. The fireworks from the top of the cage coming down <laughs> looked dangerous as shit to me. Like. It just seems Goldberg. like one thing goes wrong when it's facing down and like you just can't come back from it, you know? So yeah. no wonder we haven't really seen that since. Um, the crowd lost it on that uh, that top of the cage spot. Pretty much everything after that was just Pop City, which was kind of nice to see. But I do agree wholeheartedly. I felt like the finish was weak, obviously. But to me, right here, this is where you put Rhino over with the gore. I know you're, want, you're trying to put Sting over, but to me, this is where you put Rhino over with a gore, clean in the middle, one, two, three. But they didn't, and this was not a main event material match. Two beers for me, and I feel like that's generous. Yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. Um, well, you know, we're at the end of this kayfabe comparison, and I got to say, man, Backlash 2001, I mean, following that WrestleMania show, uh, it, was, it was really good. I mean, we can, uh, we can talk about Wex's pea shooters a little bit later for the Patreon crowd, but Overall, yeah. I gotta say that it's the uh, it's the backlash show for me. Day, okay. Yeah, it was it was really bad. It was uh, redundant and bad. So, um, Wex, what, where were you at? Like, which which one is the best one? Let's just get your opinion out of the way. All right, motherfucker, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you hard, and I'll give it to you stiff. But we're gonna have to go 2001 WWF here. TNA, that they, I mean, bless their heart, they tried. That they they put on a pretty solid product, but. Even though it wasn't the cream of the crop of WWF 2001, WWF 2001 is the cream of the crop of wrestling, period. So 
it's gonna be it's really hard to overcome something like that. But like I said, they tried. I enjoyed it, but you just can't top Stone Cold Steve Austin, Kane, The Undertaker, Triple H. Come on, come on, come on now. Yeah, it's got to be backlash. Jesse, take us home, man. What do you think about this kayfabe comparison? Where are we going? 2006 TNA, or are we going WWF Backlash 2001? I feel like, you know, with the TNA thing, it almost is not fair because the minute that you have an all-cage show, you know, you have so much to overcome. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, obviously, I got to go WWF Backlash 2001 has to take it home. It was just a solid show, top to bottom. And there there was a little bit too much schmoz for my taste in the finish or too many matches, but, I mean— at the end of the day, it was still a really solid show, and I thoroughly enjoyed going back and watching it. Yeah, man. I, I agree. I think it's uh, it's unanimous here on this kayfabe comparison. Backlash 2001 won this one outright. Uh, but you know what, guys? Like, Thank you so much for joining us here. Um, it's been a great time. We're going to see a little bit more of uh, Wex's pea shooters here. And in- no, I was giving RBD a stunner. No, no. You were uh, you're going right. to break that office chair. Yeah, he was doing something there. It was really funny because uh, at one point, Jesse had his arm up, and it really looked like uh, Paul Heyman was giving him a wet willy because your like, right arm just like disappeared. Like, put your arm back on the wall. Put your arm back on the wall. Like that you ha- When you were like talking to us, you had your arm like on the wall, and you were like just kind of chilling out and like or like leaning against whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. He's not doing it now. But whatever he was doing before, Paul Heyman was straight up giving him a wet willy. Thank you guys for joining us on Patreon on the video. We got a lot of cool shit coming up for you guys, though. I'm excited about next week. Uh, we're going to cover a brand new Impact pay-per-view that we haven't done in a while. Uh, it's going to be Rebellion from Impact. We're going to see Rich Swan versus Kenny Omega for the championship. It's going to be dope. Title versus up- title. Yes, it's going to be insanely good. And we're also going to put that up against WWE's Backlash 2006, Jesse the fucking booker of this damn show these days, man, you, you wound up a doozy for us. What do you think about, uh, what do you think about this next comparison for next week? Well, you know, it's just one of those things that, uh, we get a lot of, a lot of opportunities to match shows here. And the, the dates obviously do come up and it's yeah. current content's relevant, obviously, but also this backlash is relevant. And on one, we have the self-proclaimed God of professional wrestling, Kenny Omega, defending the AEW World Heavyweight title against Impact World Heavyweight champion Rich Swan, And Marlo Ronaldo is going to call that match, which I find to be an interesting twist. Yes, but me too. That'll be fun. And then on the other hand, there's this whole other God angle, I seem to remember. So oh, we'll uh, see. Please <laughs> save me from the blasphemy that is this show. Yada, yada. That's gracious. Oh, It'll by the fun. way, I saw this Instagram account that makes funny wrestling shirts and the- – a limited run of the Shawn Michaels and God versus Vince and Shane shirts. Yeah, I saw that too. I am not the biggest fan of this angle for obvious reasons. Wex, how do you feel about this uh, upcoming kayfabe comparison? I'm pretty excited. I haven't watched the God take his uh, another loss in wrestling. God has a terrible uh, record in wrestling, all losing. Vince McMahon responsible for you know one of those losses, of course classic though you know i'm looking forward to that and kenny omanga versus rich swan it's gonna be a banger it's gonna be a killer killer match no matter who wins but i just don't see kenny omega losing yeah i mean that's fair 
I mean, at the same time, look, like, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the God and Shawn Michaels versus the McMahons thing. But as I remember this match, I mean, it's Shawn. And I feel like he actually worked a pretty damn good match considering it was a handicap match for all intents and purposes. So I'm actually mm-hmm. not. Well, it it was. No, if, on, anyth- if anything, it was a handicap match for Vince McMahon and Shane. He had God on his side. OK. Oh, my God. OK, Wex. You're going to catch way more than a DDC these days. All right. Two weeks from now, we got Judgment Day 2001 versus WWE Extreme Rules 2011. Yo, Jesse, I got to come back to you because I don't remember shit from either one of these shows. I hope that you have something to tell me about these because, like, what what are we doing here? 2011 Extreme Rules? Judgment Day 2001? Where are we? Where are we? What happened? I mean, I'm not going to sit and spoil a whole bunch of stuff, but I will say Judgment Day 2001 is a pretty fucking dope card. Hell yeah, it is. I'm pretty sure. Extreme Rules 2011 is a double-time thing in that it is a surprisingly cool little card, but also we just don't ever cover anything. From that era, other than TNA, really. That's true, yeah. And you don't get very many opportunities to. That's true. This is like, you know, a few years offset from Extreme Rules actually meaning anything. This is like one of the first ones that wasn't like, didn't have that ECW fold onto it anymore. Kind of just became its own thing. I think it's going to be an extremely interesting and like not an area that we really talk about as much, which is what excites me the most. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. You got anything else to add, asshole? I guess not now, okay? All right, cool. I like that. A less of wax is always good. Uh, you know what? That's going to do it for us this week. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer. And you can always find me at Daniel Daybreak and at KFabeCom. Be sure to find us in any bio on any of our socials. We are on Patreon now. It's a good time. You're going to get the show tonight. You're going to get it on Tuesday night, unedited, about 15 or 20 minutes worth of us just bullshitting on the front end of the show. Um, it's been honestly some interesting content, especially if you're in the Southeast. Um, we're, uh, we're really excited about the Patreon and we're really excited about coming to you in the video format too. Um, you know, Wex, where can people find you? Let's just get this shit out of the way. Let's go ahead and get your script out of the way first. All right, motherfucker. It is Wex breaking the Lawson on Instagram and YouTube. And Wex Breaking The on Twitter. And that's pretty much all I got for you. And I just want you to check out Revive Pro Rex. Uh, God damn it, I can't even talk tonight. Had too many uh, 420 party favors, but check out <laughs> Revive Pro Wrestling and Crux Wrestling on the Instagram and all the different uh, social medias, God damn it, Gotta love it, gotta love it. Jesse, where are you at? You can find me at Jesse Baker Nash on Instagram and Twitter and just Jesse Baker on Facebook. I second check out Revive Pro Wrestling both on Facebook and on independentwrestling.tv where we have some shows up, more are coming, and we are really stoked. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. Also, possibly, if it's permitted by all parties, we would add some of the content with uh, Wex and Jesse on our Patreon um, for maybe possibly a little bit cheaper if you guys want to hop in on that, on some cool, cool matches that they've called. That'd be kind of cool. And, uh, you know, your boy, Mr. Know-it-all, has got to get in the mix. I can't let, I can't let, I certainly can't fucking let Wex breaking Lawson out do me. That shit's never going to happen. So I'm going to have to get in there very soon. That's going to continue to happen. I mean, it hasn't happened yet. So I don't know why anything would change. But I'll tell you what, you guys can keep up with us every week. Be sure to sign up for our Patreon. It's five bucks a month. Become a kayfabe OG. Become a kayfabe cog. We are doing 
the first 90 days of our Patreon for $4.99 a month. If you sign up in the first 90 days, once we get to a two or three or four or five tier system, if you sign up in the first 90 days, you will be grandfathered in forever, forever at this rate for five bucks a month. So go ahead and sign up. There's new content coming all the time. It's only going to have more bonus great content coming in the future. Be sure to hit us up on your subscribe button for the free podcast every week. The podcast is only going to get better as well. We got to keep building this brand, boys. We got to keep building the brand. We got to stay on top of it. Okay? I'm sending you guys off today. We're out. We'll see you next week. Peace. Holla, holla.